What's going on, everybody? This is Patriot Underground here. Now, before we get started tonight with the show, I want to say a few words on behalf of the company that I have partnered with to help folks protect their financial resources as we enter into the eye of the storm. Now, I don't think I need to remind everybody that this financial crash has been predicted for years, and now we are seeing everything unfold exactly the way the real financial advisors, the real professionals and experts out there have been telling us that it was going to. We have a brief window of opportunity here, folks, and I highly recommend that everybody get on board. We just saw Silicon Valley Bank go down last month, and just yesterday, First Republic was the second largest bank collapse in U.S. history. And let me tell you something, folks, we're not done. We're not even close to being done. This is a consolidation move. The big banks are eating up the little banks. They're preparing to roll out their central bank digital currency. The entire system is going to collapse. Oh, and by the way, dozens of regional bank stocks plummeted today as this banking crisis continues to gain momentum. All of them were down between 10 and close to 40% just today. So I urge everybody out there to seize this opportunity. Don't wait until it's too late. Protect your financial resources, roll over your 401k and your IRAs into precious metal backed, into gold backed currency. That is the wave of the future, folks. We know that this is a sound investment. It's been proven over and over and over again. And I can guarantee you that when the market crashes, gold and silver are going to skyrocket in price. Now, I am not a financial expert, as you know, but I have had financial experts on my show who have said exactly that. And I'm sure you've heard many other trusted sources out there warning folks of what's to come. Now is the time. Don't wait. Seize this opportunity, folks. Click the link in the description. And I guarantee you, folks, this will be the best financial decision that you've ever made. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. God bless and Godspeed. Enjoy the show. Patriot out. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Patriot Underground. Today is July 24th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining me, folks, to discover the truth beneath the surface. As always, I really do appreciate everybody out there taking the time to listen. So today, it's my pleasure to welcome back the great Carrie Cassidy for another conversation. For folks who don't know, her website is projectcamelotportal.com, and she's been at the helm of that operation for over 18 years now. She's interviewed countless whistleblowers, And she's done exhaustive research to get closer to the truth. As a matter of fact, she just did a great interview with Major Solomon Berg, which we're going to discuss a little bit tonight. And in so doing, Carrie has developed quite a following over the years, despite being censored, which we talked about a little bit before we recorded today, uh, sustaining attacks from the deep state, because she's been over the target in so many areas for such a long time now. So it's my honor, Carrie, to have you back on the show. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And, you know, there's a lot going on. A lot's been happening recently, as you know, on so many different fronts. And we're going to tackle a lot of subjects today, as we always do. And I happen to think that certainly it's the best of times, worst of times, but there are a lot of positive things that are unfolding amidst all this chaos. And I'm just going to set the table here for you to comment. We've got four-star General McChrystal, I believe is his name, stating publicly that the Nord Stream 2 pipeline bombing was carried out by the United States. And by the way, my understanding is that General McChrystal's son works directly for the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and he holds a top-level 
classified clearance. And so clearly he must have briefed his father behind the scenes that the U.S. was directly behind the Nord Stream bombings. We've also got, and that's just one category, we've got Hunter Biden facing up to 10 criminal referrals, which my understanding is that they're going to be announced upon the completion of the congressional investigation that's led by Representative Comer, who's revealed that the charges include sex trafficking, money laundering. And we also remember that Comer made it very clear at the beginning when the investigation was made public that the evidence was pointing beyond Hunter, of course, and directly to his father. So the noose is tightening there. And then, of course, geopolitically, there's just so much happening. We recently saw the Wagner false flag coup attempt that led to the detainment and arrest of dozens of senior Russian officials who are essentially gray hats that got smoked out by this brilliant chess move where Prigozhin completely played the CIA and MI6 into pouring billions of dollars into an illusion of a military coup against Putin. And now the Wagner Group is positioned right outside Kiev in Belarus. So there's so much going on, Carrie, and that's, of course, just a little bit of a sampling here. But we know that, obviously, in terms of Russia and Ukraine, the circumstances are heating up massively. We're expecting to see a major offensive, I've heard, in the fall. And now that the Ukrainian money laundering machine has been massively interrupted, certainly the situation is getting more intense by the day. So there's a lot to discuss, and that's only on the surface level, by the way. And folks know that we plan to go beneath the surface, as we always do. But Kerry, I wanted to just sort of lay that out for you, just to have you give us your overall assessment of the war, of the battlefield, if you will, both stemming from some of the things that I mentioned, like the ongoing congressional investigations, if you want to touch upon that. If you want to talk a little bit about the Hunter Biden saga or Ukraine, anything in terms of geopolitical analysis, what do you think is most important right now to focus on? Where do you believe this is all headed? Okay, well, that's kind of a loaded question at this point, because what you want to focus on is uh, really it's like a grab bag. There's, as you say, there's there are many sort of uh, places we could go and uh I'm not sure Ukraine is is actually such a focal point, okay, even anymore. Um, I think there's drama going on there that was supposed to focus more attention over there, which is this the fake coup, basically, and positioning of troops now, uh, the Wagner group over in Belarus. And I, you know, that's positioning. So that's not um, you know, it. Where's Putin going to go with that? The question is, and I know that we're supposed to look at Ukraine, but every time I look over there, I just see sort of like um, a non-happening event going on. Uh, I, I did at one point, I think I talked about a while back, I did see a suitcase nuke on its way along the coast. Um, whether or not that you know, was a, an authentic vision, uh, remote viewing, whatever you want to call it, um, remains to be seen. And maybe we'll just never know. Uh, but I, I understand that, that, that this is sort of a drama being played out, but it seems like a fake drama to me. And that doesn't mean people aren't dying. It, it just means that it's the deep state doing you know, a, a dog and pony show, a proxy war that the real nitty gritty is obviously the uh, the biolabs underneath the, the surface. 
and uh, and then the the human exodus caused by the mayhem, right? That has been going really into England, been let carte blanche uh, the refugees in there, which which has a, an ulterior motive, which I believe has in part the fact that they are probably bioengineered individuals, a lot of them, meaning that this genetic engineering that has been going on with COVID was targeting, um, I think even Robert Kennedy was focusing on this to some degree, yeah. that uh, saying that, you know, it's this bloodline that they were focused on. And also it's Israeli, but it's also the... Um, I forget what the exact, you know, um, bloodline is that you would call Ukrainians exactly. Um, but it appears that they're so their bioengineering of that race um, goes back, uh, I think, years. All right. So I think they have a certain immunity. And um, I think that's what Robert Kennedy was hinting at. Yeah, you said uh, something, I think, about uh Chinese and, and the uh, Chinese and the, mm -hmm. and the Ashkenazi. Right. But Ashkenazi, not sure if that's exactly an accurate term either. Uh, maybe you could say Kazarian, right? Kazarians in general, or you could say only a division of the Kazarians. And I don't know, this is the word that comes to me, which is um, Slavic and Tartarians or I may have that pronunciation wrong, Tartars, Tartars, if you will. So there's something there, I, I, I believe. Um, now, I have another whistleblower. Um, in fact, he said this, um, so I, I can use his name. He actually said it on a show I did with him, Miles Johnston. He said that, I think it's, it's the Slavic peoples have a natural um, connection to AI that they get it, that they can work with it easier because they have some special gene coding that allows them to do that. So I think that's of special interest, of course, to the dark side, to the rollout of AI on the planet. And they're probably experimenting with and studying that, okay? Now, if we follow the movement of the people then into Britain from there, you're going to have, um, I think that what they're looking for is a, a mixture of races. And, and Britain has already been inundated by um, refugees, as you may know. Okay. In fact, I have a friend who says that the predominant race in Britain is no longer Anglo-Saxon. It's anything but. Okay. Um, especially London, you know, the, the main hub um, and the surrounding city around that area. So um, definitely something's up with that. Uh, and I, I think if you want my honest opinion, I think that most of the Illuminati have left. I think some are there uh, in some of the estates removed from the main hub. And I think that you've got politicians that are still there, their families and so on. But for the most part, I think a lot of them are actually operating off, off the island, okay? Uh, some of them are on other islands, Greek islands, for example, I think are inundated by them. I think they're in, there are certain places where, where you'd find a lot of Brits, okay? 
um, but it won't be England. <laughs> um, which is interesting because there's a what we have to do is follow populations and see where they're pushed to, where they're drawn to, where they're then let in for free and this and that. And the same thing's going on in, in America, right? So with our southern border and so and so forth and and the uh, well, what I, I call the gray human hybrid program that was successful in South and Central America with a lot of those beings now crossing the border easily. And they are all in their 20s, a lot of young men, as a matter of fact. So they're, they're allowing, this is a, probably a gray, a Draco gray, um, again, positioning. So there's a lot of positioning going on on the planet with regard to race and racial groups and um, and bloodlines and so on and so forth. So there's some kind of shuffling happening mm -hmm. to where they're they're trying to alter the the current makeup of the current population of the area, right? And we don't know exactly what genetic markers they're following, but I can say the one about the AI and the the Slavic peoples. Okay, um, and it happens to be that one of my webmasters was, is was or is was Russian. He's not with working for me anymore, but you know he's a very has that sort of extra added gene, if you will, right? And when you say the Slavic people uh, work better with AI, do you mean they're more susceptible to it, or they they can wield it better? Or they just kind of get it better. I think that's what you said, but I wasn't really. Yeah, sure well, exactly it's. What you meant. I think it's like an intuitive connection. Again, it's a what this what uh, Miles said is it's it's a set of genes. And Miles, um, <laughs> I'm not going to give you his background because he'll get mad at me. But suffice to say that he he could easily have some intel from uh, the uh, powers that be in England on this. Okay. 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 And for some reason he saw fit to, you know, once in a while he'll drop some some good info in those ways. And we've we've connected on the Black Goose story. That also came up in my uh interview recently with Solomon Major Solomon Berg, which is a whole another discussion so we could talk oh, about Oh yeah, that. I'm going to ask you about that. We're going to get into <laughs> so, that. So, but I don't want to go there just yet. So, okay, so we're you're asking me what am I looking at? This is the kind of thing I'm looking at. In other words, I'm not looking at, you know, um, oh, horrors, war in, you know, Ukraine. I think that this is, it's a long drawn out, you know, um, testing ground uh, place to get rid of old technology, you know, that they're sloughing off on, on the Ukrainians using them, you know, and basically not. This is not the technology that we are going to fight a future war. I'm getting more and more information by my whistleblowers and by the linkups between the whistleblowers testimony that indicates what we were told a while ago, which is the war with China and this war, this kind of war stuff that's coming down the pike, which is really at the time they didn't use Ukraine as as the focus of the battlefield. But again, that's a proxy war as far as I'm concerned. In other words, the real war is between, you know, the big powers. It's between Russia, in theory, China, Iran, the United States, you know, this kind of thing, five eyes, if you will. Right. 
So when we have these other small fires, you know, that can be managed and handled, Ukraine's one and Taiwan's one. Okay. Now, whether Taiwan is going to actually ignite is unclear. Some people think it's definitely going to happen. Other people do not. I think there is, um, I think there's a likelihood there will be movement there. I do think China is trying to, um, it's kind of like a whale trying to swallow a big fish or a small fish off its shores. I think it's trying to sequester that and their technology and bring it into the mainland. That's my view. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of misdirects there saying they're going to invade this and that. But a lot of what can, is going on in Taiwan, just like Ukraine, a lot of this is underground. We're not really talking about what's happening on the surface. On the surface is more of a distraction, all right, as far as I'm concerned. So why does underground matter so much? Because it gets into the secret space program and the real um, sort of, if you will, rulers of the planet, okay, who are sequestered underground and don't have to be exposed to anything they do on top side, right? Other than maybe families, okay, so that they may want, want to protect their families who are still top side, right? So there's some interesting positioning in that regard. I have to say that it looks like our off-planet, you know, foe, um, you know, basically is the Draco reptilian gray incursion into our planet and, and takeover scenario. And that we're in sort of some of the final stages of this attack and that it's, it's coming to the surface more and more. And this is where you're going to get project blue beam, maybe even making a, a showing how well it'll do, well, it, you know, who knows, but um, things like that. Certainly even Major Solomon Berg and his coming forward to me, explaining what happened to him feeds into this. So I hope you'll remember this discussion part, part of the discussion when I start talking about him to understand that he's part of the scenario I'm talking about, okay? And that the war that he is, seeing from his perspective has nothing to do with the war that we think is going on. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so that's where I think there's a lot of misdirects going on. Um, so what else, you, you know, uh, I'm trying Let to go ask back. you this. Let me ask yeah. you this. Cause you know, you, you make a really good point in terms of the surface level being a distraction. And I agree with you um, that primarily the, the movie, as they say, the pantomime, if you want to call it that, is geared not to, toward us, the awakened. I mean, we should, sh we are and should be at deeper levels of consciousness, or I should say higher levels of consciousness, where we're having these types of discussions. And the folks out there who are still asleep are in the process of having that cognitive dissonance induced by this pantomime. That's really what it's all about. But I am curious, do you think that the events that are playing out, I mean, I mentioned a couple, I mentioned the, the truth about the Nord Stream 2, uh, you know, oh, right. I, mean, I want to address that. So, so sure. if we can, you keep your question and not lose it, or do you want to finish your question and then I'll? Well, pass. yeah. I mean, I basically was just my the essence of my question was very simple. Uh, do you think that these surface level events are pointing us 
closer toward disclosure because you and I have discussed that's really the, the major barometer. So I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, well, you're talking about McChrystal and I, um, I didn't actually see the news that you're referring to where his son works for DIA, you're saying, right? Yes, this was that was the information that I came across. Yes, that he okay. had stated publicly. And yes, that his son works for DIA, according to okay. what I said. But like father, like son, you have to understand there's no need for the son to inform the father, <laughs> contrary to what you might think. <laughs> right. Okay. Because if I have been following McChrystal for many years, okay, this guy has a very sort of um, checkered past, if you will colored um, with working in black projects and Intel uh, forever, okay, being embedded to run um, Iraq, I believe it was, and and being in charge of Afghanistan first and then Iraq, if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. having um, Michael, what's his last name, Um, the journalist who died, the Rolling Stone journalist who was who died in mysterious circumstances where the engine of his Mercedes leapt out of the car. (laughs) I remember the story. Hit a tree. Mm -hmm. Okay, but he was a a crack journalist. He was embedded with McChrystal. So there's a suspicious thing going on there where McChrystal. I mean, I really I have had my eye on him for a while. Because this guy is what I would call a player in the secret space program Mm -hmm. who occasionally goes on to surface earth to play these games and, and, you know, shuffle things, some things around. But the bottom line is that this is a deep Intel guy. Okay. Going way back. And it's interesting to hear his son is now a player as well. So, what okay yes this is not news that the us it actually was said that the five eyes had to do with the pipeline okay and that they were motivated to do that because they are trying to shift pipelines and which where the emphasis is going to come from whether it's going to come from the south the use of of uh i forget it's the pipeline going through um saudi arabia and the southern states and then also from the east going through um, God, I, I, um, Azerbaijan and, and all of that. And when you look at it, it's it, that whole thing was about, it, it appears, pipeline p- positioning, again, where they were trying to sabotage the Nord Stream, which I think it was associated with Norway. And uh, and those those northern countries, right? I believe so. Yes. Okay. So understanding, it's kind of like if you have trains. Think of it as trains on the one hand, or think of it as roadways. So if you block one roadway, they're going to have to go around it. They're going to have to use another alternative, right? So my understanding is that there is a drive to to not allow the northern countries to benefit. Uh, from from the gas, but instead, and and I have I have done shows on this where I have one person, I don't know if it was Sean David Martin or somebody else who was telling me that what they did to that pipeline was um, not just you know blow it up, but block it off 
in a way where it was a it was a um it's kind of like a um an over time it was getting more and more blocked the the longer the time period went on so it wasn't just a one shot deal that it was a reverberating kind of thing okay. to do with pipelines and oil and i you know that i don't really know but okay. they were explaining this and i thought it was fascinating but you know so so there's something complex going on there okay that might even have go beyond what i'm talking about in terms of redirection but there's no doubt there's a political you know football being played between germany who it actually appears that even though europe is desperate for gas supposedly um that they were participating or you know basically getting <laughs> the united states under the banner of nato or whatever you want to call it or the five eyes to do a job for them so that they could cuz i don't know whether you followed this other piece which has to do with the fact that germany is no longer going to be gas dependent at all that it is now relying on i think they might be mini nukes and fusion i think fusion is is their big thing lately so, so they're, they're eliminating they're, gas from the entire country what are you saying yeah they're their emphasis on it they're not they don't need it so so there's a game being played here is that's more complex than just you know something simple and uh and and let me just say that anything that's going on with russia seems to be working putin is working with our other government <laughs> the trump mm -hmm. you know john kennedy government mm -hmm. what i call you know john kennedy uh you know in other words we ha we have two governments and everyone knows that they know one of them is a fake government which is the biden show but that's run by the deep state illuminati klaus schwab new world order group okay backed by the ccp or even with the ccp being the guys on the front line right making the deals with biden bringing him in to a honey pot into china where the same thing happened to the biden and son in ukraine okay so they're honey potted in there they get involved monetarily they get lots of there's lots of a money trail there's a definite money trail but there's also a child trafficking trail apparently in both places that the bidens the pelosi's these people are involved in absolutely I, I don't know what they plan you know i'm not sure what they're planning to release and what they're going to tell the public as we go down this road right mm -hmm. sound of freedom is only the beginning of the tip of that iceberg but once if people really knew i've said this before that the biden family are basically um guilty of not only child trafficking but also participating in that adrenochrome pipeline if this is what i call it mm -hmm. um if you will so and there's arguably pelosi and who else is it um oh not not rumsfeld but although rumsfeld's possibility <laughs> they all they're all, right. all yeah. no, but i'm uh no i'm looking for this other oh god what's his name uh god he's a, a political um 
person who is some people have even looked at in the past. He's uh, I think he's kind of gone quiet, more or less, but he's still part of there are these families, these crime families that are running America or have been. And then when Trump came to office, they got derailed, so to speak. Then they got back on top, right? Supposedly with the steal of the election in 2020. But um, that whole game is more or less up and how and going to be re- revealed. But there's reason to believe that. Okay, now Sean David Morton just you know who he is. Yeah, I actually just interviewed him recently. Oh, you did. Okay, good. Well, then he recently contacted me saying, you know, there's this thing with um, you know cycles and the planet, and that there's a cycle coming around in August where the frequency of the planet or something is particularly low. And that when the frequency is that low, certain uh, diabolical happenings can have a greater impact. So that's when the Illuminati will act. Okay. Mm -hmm. So as this noose tightens around their neck and their actions, there is reason to believe they're going to do something. Okay. Now, Sean might be correct about his positioning in in terms of August or maybe not. Right. Because a lot of times these things happen, especially where you get, um, you know, these crazy Illuminati strikes on the people will happen during sort of October, November. That seems to be the favorite time as far as I know, in Camelot, every year at that time of year, we get all kinds of warnings that just go crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, for some reason, Sean is, you know, focused on this particular time. And that's when the Eldritch, I think, you know, the whole Montauk project, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. the Eldritch moved and was moved from one place to another. And the people that didn't make it were actually embedded in the hull. So it was sort of a diabolical undertaking, even though it was, a step forward in our understanding, you could say, of time travel. <laughs> For sure, yeah. So, um, so, so I hope this is not being a little too vague. But the the trouble no, is, is that I gave when you a I, very wide ranging question. You you did an amazing job with it. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So I don't want to lose sight. So so keep an eye on McChrystal. Never lose sight of him, because. We don't have that many generals where we know definitely that they're working deep state or even secret space program, okay, where you can trace their background. And there are subtle indications, even if you go online right now and read about his background, he disappears into the secret world, then he comes back to the surface and they give him some high ranking, you know, job for a time and so on and so forth. And again, Michael Hastings, that's his last name, the journalist that was embedded. Oh, yes. Yeah, right. What I read his book and what happened, and I, I, I did a lot of investigation around the time that he died. And so what I learned was that he had apparently learned too much. He, he knew too much. That's fine for me because I'm on the fringe. It's not fine to have a Rolling Stone journalist who knows too right. much, you see, mm-hmm. because that's a liability. And it's a liability that um, over time, it doesn't 
lose its value, it gets worse, you know, higher and higher in terms of liability. Because once you know what, for example, I know and people like me know, we can put the pieces together much quicker than the, the general public. Okay, and tap into, especially an investigative journalist by nature, right? So you're going to put two and two together. So having him on hand in a, a journalist in a position of relative power, if you will, with Ro- Rolling Stone. And of course, Rolling Stone has themselves shown their, their, their um, what do you call that? Shown their, their scales or whatever you want to say that oh, is. Oh, they sure have. Yeah. Um, just recently, because they came out against Sound of Freedom in the most ludicrous way. Right. Along with a lot of the mainstream media, which every single media organization that did that should now be targeted, you know, in the minds of at least the alternative people and the, and the patriots, because we now know who you are unequivocally, okay, that you are backing child trafficking, child sex trafficking, as they keep in, you know, several broadcasts are now using those terms. So, so this Seems is to me very like it was important. almost part of a plan, Gary. It's a rollout. It's a rollout. It's yes, it's planned. In other words, they don't allow something like Sound of Freedom to come out and sit around, you know, waiting and staring at the the stars. They they move. They they take action. And I would even suggest that this recent uh, release, which is um, what is it called, um, the Oppenheimer. This is not a coincidence coincidence either. (laughs) I don't know if you've thought about this, but you see, and I'm starting, I bought the book and I'm now reading it. And um, because I I don't have, I'm in a place where I don't know if I'll be able to see the movie in a theater anytime soon. Also, I'm about to travel. So I'm going to try to get catch it as soon as possible. But what I'm saying here is that this man was a very complex character. All right. So he was responsible like a hawk of a scientist for having to do with the atom bomb, of course. But at the same time, he was against, you know, he wanted to stop this mutually assured destruction road that we were on back in those days, which we're again on, by the way. (laughs) Um, You know, so it's not it's very convenient that they're trotting him out. And I haven't put it all together yet. But it definitely appears suspicious to me. And they did it right on the heels of Sound of Freedom. Okay, and I don't think that was accidental either. So they must have known that Indiana Jones is kind of a weak, um, even though it, it supposedly did well and was rolled out in so many theaters and people supposedly liked it. But you can't get away from it's an old vehicle with a worn out star come on, you know, it's not going to hold the attention, especially of the young people. All right. And that's my opinion. But, you know, oh, I agree. I think it's so I think you need somebody like Oppenheimer. But the thing is that there's something about that that sort of screams woke, if you will. I mean, back in those days, they didn't call it war woke. Right. So if we're in a war time, and you you trot out a man who became more or less anti-war, and then he got um, sort of raked across the crawls and brought brought up in, you know charges. The government started to be suspicious. They tried to label him a communist. You know all of this stuff, right? 
well, what are what is Biden and crew, but basically CCP communists. Okay, that's what their philosophy more or less is. That's what they're pushing. That's what the Charles Schwab people are pushing. That's you understand what I'm saying? Not Charles, but Klaus Schwab. So anyway, I'm just trying to paint a picture here for you because I know people like to look at, you know, very specific news items, and I'm going to grab a few of those. But I just want to say it's, you know, I think you're better off really pulling back and seeing the larger playing field and where they're trying to bring things to. And I know that the White Hats, and if you listen to Juan lately, is in a great mood because he believes they're coming forward with the goods, right? And some of this stuff is going to come out in committee. Now, let's get into the committee briefly here. Okay. As this gets into the disclosure, um, actually coming Wednesday of this week. So what is today? Monday. So Wednesday, they're supposed to have a Congressional Oversight Committee I don't know what you call it, dog and pony show. Um, and in theory for the public, you you got into the whole ground. I, I mean, I've made a big splash on my website, so you can go see the article there. But in fact, I could pull it up, I guess. Um, but basically, these Congress people who made a big deal of the fact they were being banned after being supposedly invited to a meeting, right? But it turns out that it wasn't them that was invited to the meeting. <laughs> the back, I don't know if you know the story. No. It's a, I mean, you can't get more bizarre than than some of the things that are going on in our country right now. Oh, I agree with that. <laughs> and especially, especially if it has to do with government, it is a farce. And um, actually, I'm right now I've been investigating. I know it sounds crazy, but I've been looking into Ashton Gray, I don't know if you, you know who he is, but Ashton Gray is a, um, a journalist who is, uh, I think he's a former Scientologist or whatever you want to call him, but he loves, to, he wrote a book called Watergate, um, Watergate Fraud or whatever it's called, right? So, so Watergate hoax, okay, and it got a lot of notice out there. He's a brilliant writer. He's an incredible investigator. He has a whole team of people that help him investigate. So he, you know, footnotes the hell out of his work. So this is not some pontificator, okay? He is a real cross your T's and dot your I's kind of investigative journalist. Okay. To his credit. So if you read the Watergate hoax, which I have done, you know, you are buried in minutiae because there's nothing that goes by the wayside with and misses his notice. Okay. And he manages to weave a fascinating saga, but at the end of the day, it all talks about how the CIA used L Ron Hubbard, some of his techniques and mind control and so on, as well as uh, certain players, which are um, some of the usual suspects in the CIA to take him down and to take down Nixon. Okay. That this whole Watergate thing was a CIA psyop. Okay. Par excellence. Like you can't believe. So they might've shot Kennedy, right? So the clean direct method, (laughs) but what they did to Nixon was unfreaking believable. Okay. And of course, 
I guess the mainstream, I'm kind of getting the feeling when I'm talking to you about this, that you don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I no, I do. I'm just listening. I'm listening. To oh, your, you are. Okay. Saying. So yeah. I know, I know very well the, the Watergate story, if that's what you're referring to. I haven't read this. No, this I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the Ashton Gray book and a different, no, I haven't read that. No. A different reading, a different interpretation of the entire Watergate incident so that the American people were sold a bill of goods. Okay. That deposed the president. You got to understand where we're going with this because we have a cabal who has been deposing presidents whenever they felt like it. In the case of Kennedy, they shot him in the head. In the case of Nixon, they did a psyop. They lied to the American people on so many levels, it's unbelievable, and made them think that what Nixon was responsible for was not what Nixon was responsible for. That in a certain sense, he's actually a, what do you call a, um, you know, I don't know if hero would be probably too strong a word, but he's actually a credible, caring individual who is trying to do the right thing. Didn't matter whether you agreed with his decisions or not. I'm just telling you that the CIA got him in their sights and took him down. And they did it in the most nefarious of ways, using certain techniques that they have at their disposal. And they continue to, to do so. The Trump operation going up against that when you when you really dig into it is becomes even more unlikely and even more fascinating. OK. Um, so hold on one second. I was going to try to see if I can bring this. I was going to bring up this article that has to do with uh, the, the Congress people. Now, this is this is very interesting. The reason sometimes these things are interesting is not in and of themselves, so much as what they mean, right? Right. So if we look at, and I'm just going to bring this onto the screen here, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Go ahead. All right. Uh, so here's an article that I put on my front page. And uh, <laughs> so what we had was these these individuals who were claiming they were being stonewalled. But in the end, the only person I think is Getz, Matt Getz, is that's his name? Am I saying yeah, it right? Getz or Gates, I okay. not sure how you pronounce it. I think it's Gates. I think the only person that was really invited to be pre-briefed for this coming Wednesday's thing last week, last, I think Thursday or Friday, Thursday, I think, was Mac, Matt Getz and maybe one other person that, um, I don't know if it was McCarthy or somebody else. Anyway, these people who made a big deal of it were actually not invited. <laughs> so they're claiming, so they, they, they did something that is kind of dramatic and um, interesting because Congress doesn't usually do this. All right. And they made a big, huge drama out of this to where they, be, they said they were being stonewalled after being invited to a meeting by the Pentagon and the Air Force, okay? That they weren't actually invited to. No, they weren't invited. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but the people who were invited apparently maybe even did the briefing. But these people who shut up at their door at, the, at was supposedly the appointed time, at least this is the information I have, 
were not invited. And yet they went before and did a press conference saying that they've been stonewalled and not allowed in. And what it was, was this pre-briefing of what we're going to get on Wednesday of these three whistleblowers and what they have to say. Okay. Now, why does that matter? That matters a lot because it has everything to do with revealing the um, sort of rough edges and the real drama going on between surface earth government indicated by the so-called Congress and the secret space program underground, under sea, underground cities, underground bases, and who's running that place, okay? And it's not Congress, okay? And Congress actually, it, it, what was valuable about this is that um, I think it's it's this woman, um, Luna, who who put it in very clear, you know, English, that if they think they're beyond the purview of Congress, they have another thing coming. But of course they are. Course. And they have been for for, I don't know, you know, 60 years. But she's stating the obvious, but it's important because she's stating the obvious to the general public. And right. the general public don't know what I know or, you know, let's say. And they don't know there's a secret space program. They think I'm crazy. In fact, a lot of the military don't even know that either. They will actually tell you there's no such thing and we're lying and all this stuff. But they do realize, I think, that there are these things called unacknowledged special access programs. And they do know that they have no jurisdiction over them. Okay, so and those are, in essence, what I would call black projects, which are secret projects that have no congressional oversight whatsoever. Regardless, so if you can acknowledge that exists, then really anything. Well, that's the tip of the iceberg. So this gets into who's really running our government. So you've got. okay. so you've got the Biden show on the one level, which is the CCP invasion of our country, taking over the vote, infiltrating the whole system, blah, blah, blah. Right. 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 Then you've got the deep state that supposedly is supposed to be part. Carrie, I can still I can still see you, but I can't hear you. Your audio cut out. Whoops. Okay. 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 So did you get my part about the, um, I got about like 10, 20 seconds. All right. So what I was saying was, so you've got the CCP Klaus Schwab. I'm trying to give you the list of, of players, you know, that are involved in, in making the Biden show possible, so to speak. Okay. Now, because the white hats felt it, they had decided a tactic, a, a, a modus operandi, that would allow the Biden show to go forward because they didn't want civil war. That was, that's at least their ostensible reason. Okay. Whether that's actually completely accurate or not, I will, we could talk about Mm -hmm. if you want, but to move along. So I'm trying to tell you about these levels. Okay. And then there's what we call what we think is the, so this is what we call the deep state and the deep state is not necessarily Republican or Democrat. Okay, that's kind of a general level. 
but it is not necessarily the other these other players that we're talking about these crime families klaus schwab and new world order people ccp and so on right right mi6 our deep state is is actually another layer okay in and of itself and then below that you have the secret space program secret government and i do mean secret government so this is where we need to look Okay, and people need to start focusing on this. And I wrote a whole long, long article about the unacknowledged special um, uh, salvation, whatever I call it, a secret space salvation under our feet. Think about it this way. What we have here on planet Earth is a secret government actually running the entire planet. That's a secret space program. And, and China has its own version, okay? They're running maybe let's say the Far East or a division of it, right? And so in a sense, they're an enemy and there's a split there. But Russia and the United States are working together in the secret space government, secret government, okay? And if you don't understand this, then you're gonna miss everything that's going on. This whole surface earth thing is bullshit. So. In fact, when I asked Solomon Berg, Major Solomon Berg, who I just interviewed, and he worked and he's been working most of his life at this point, I think we would say, I don't know if he'd call it that, but definitely the last 20 years of his life. And he's not that old um, in the secret space program. And he could care less about what's going on on the surface of Earth. He even says that. He thinks it's a joke and chaos. Now, maybe he's not very well informed on that level. He's very well informed when it comes to the secret space program. Okay. Well, actually, I was going to ask you a pretty in-depth question about him. You, you want me to just I know, jump but in? Wait one that? second, because okay. I have to finish this little story here. So this is the trouble, is that we have in our secret space program, we have med beds, we have free energy, we have you name it, what we have. We could green the deserts. We have the technology to feed every human on the planet. Scarcity is an illusion and they know it. They're going off planet. They're making deals with alien races. They're colonizing other planets, including the moons of Saturn. And I have this from countless whistleblowers, all right? And I just got it validated again from during my conversation with Major Berg. So what, look at this thing. It's kind of like if you are in, let's say you're in a house and you're in a house and with your family and your brother and sister uh, occupy the lower floor and you occupy the upper floor. That's like surface earth versus, you know, the deep state um, actually going into the secret space program. Down below you in just the floor below you, they have every solution you could use to stop people from starving, for, to stop the crap traffic, you, know, you name whatever it is, okay? okay? You understand me? Yeah. So, and I have had this verified. In other words, what I'm told by my whistleblowers time and time again is that the secret space program is 10,000 years in advance of surface Earth. Right. Wrap your mind around that for just a minute and think about it as just being your brother or sister under your feet, you know, a few miles down, really. 
why is it that we can't talk to each other? <laughs> why is it that they won't help us? Do you, do you get it? You know, meanwhile, we're having pure, unadulterated and getting worse by the day chaos on, on surface earth and just being ignored. Okay. Just being let to go into worse chaos and worse chaos. Yes. There are some, you know, there are white hats and they're making, they're doing their best effort to pull this thing back and from the brink and so on and so forth. Yes. But when you really delve in that deep, then you have to say to yourself, okay, what is the white hats positioning what is their deals? What are their negotiating points with this secret government, secret state that has been operational, running, arguably running the planet, and certainly our relations with aliens for the last, you know, 60 years minimum? 80 is probably more like it. Well, can I ask you a clarifying question on that? Yeah. Is the secret government that you're describing entirely? deep state in terms of, you know, all bad actors or had the white hats infiltrated that that secret government secret no. space program? In fact, well, first of all, let's not get confused with the deep state because the deep state. Okay. Let's say Lockheed Martin, you know, Bechtel, all these companies at the top echelons are part of the secret space program. They basically kowtow to them. They get all their business from them. They stay alive or don't stay alive on surface earth based on those deals. Okay. So there is a, and even Catherine Austin Fitz, who is a financial expert and was a housing secretary under, I don't know who it was, Nixon, whoever. Um, you know what I'm saying? In other words, she knows this. She talks about the budget, you know, what is called the secret space program budget that's like astronomical. And again, not only that, but they are the ones that have been living off of the revenue from the sale of drugs, human trafficking, and, and gun weapons, guns. So these are all bad actors. There, there are no white actors. No, so they're not, actually. Oh. This is where it, there is a split, apparently. And this goes back to William Tompkins and the fact that, you know, of NASA and of, of our secret space program that kind of came to, to, into itself back then after the paperclip Nazis came over. And in essence, the reptilians were helping one part of it and sabotaging it. At the same time, the Pleiadians were helping another part. So, and arguably, we have several alien races kind of vying for control and at each other's throats, even with regard to the secret space program of the humans, right? Okay. So, so, so it's not just the reptilians, if you want to say just the reptilians, the Greys, and the Draco, and the Pleiadians, and you know the Aldebaran, the beings from Aldebaran that helped the Nazis, who are arguably um, reptilian humanoids, um, and and so on. It, it okay. it's extensive. I think okay. I got you. The reason I asked was because it was you were saying that the White Hats had to negotiate deals. They and do. So, okay. I was just trying to get a sense for you know if there are any good guys within that secret government. And arguably, in fact, there's a growing contingent. In fact, a rebellion, if you will, within the secret space program, to where 
I'm sure that there have been battles going back and forth on that level as to who runs it, as to who's in charge of it and so on. And in fact, again, we'll let's get to my interview with Major Solomon Berg, because his own project is a perfect indicator of the mayhem that may be impacting the secret space programs kind of coming in through that that discontinuity, if you will, in who's running planet Earth, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, so, one of the things, oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't want to cut out. So, I, no, I think, you know, I think I'm trying to draw a picture here so people will look at things in terms of layers, understand we have to figure out who are the white hats dealing with. And they're probably having to deal with both sides. Um, let's say there's a positive and negative. I can tell you, for example, that Captain Mark Richards, who worked for the secret space program all of his youth and his father worked in it for his whole life called the Dutchman. And he, his grandfather worked with Tesla. So his family line was very involved in the secret space program and has, has been, and still is. And he is in jail on surface earth because he is an enemy of the negative side of the secret space program, which is run by the Luciferian satanic element. So I hope this is clear. Now I can go into my interview. Well, okay, I just wanted to have you give you a chance to wrap that up before I pitch my uh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, question. That, that is, I think that kind of does finish my story. Okay. All right. Well, it was a. I mean, it really is a fascinating interview, and I actually just listened to it today because I wanted to make sure it was fresh in my mind. And his his harrowing tale of. I mean, he goes into it almost sounds like it could be a script for a movie the way that he laid it all out. But let me just kind of for for people out there who hadn't listened to this yet, he mentioned uh, a being called Melchenix, I think is the name, if I remember correctly. Melchenix, Melchenix, uh, a bounty hunter that was tasked with essentially tracking down the squatch that he's telepathically connected to is my understanding. And he also said, though, that what, which I thought was interesting, it kind of perked my ears up a little bit. He said that Melchenix was working with Bolsonaro, which I thought to be somewhat odd, considering that you know most of us consider Bolsonaro to be aligned with Trump to be a white hat, and Melchenix seemed very much to be uh, a dark entity, shall we say? So I was kind of curious about your take on that, if you had picked that up as well. And also, he said, if I remember correctly, Major Berg said that he himself was unofficially working because he was talking about the context of Brazil that he was unofficially working for Lula, which is uh, which was also I, something I found a little bit strange. Um, did you hear that? Pick up on that? We do you have any thoughts on that aspect of things? Because okay. he also mentioned something about the Anunnaki as well that confused me. We can take one at a time. <laughs> well, it's a little confusing because first of all, you have to take the individual. Right. And he has, like any individual, they, his kind of like has things that he sympathizes with and things that he doesn't. Right. And if you listen to his comments at the very end, where he basically talks about, you know, LGBT, whatever the rest of those initials are. Right. Right. Yeah. I, that I did. He, yeah. He's in favor of that. And he, you know, hopes that it will. I forget what his exact words were, but they're there at the end of the interview. So he does make an, you know, he he's not shy about 
stating his points of view. So it's important to realize is that again, it's kind of like which side of the this these stories you fall on, who you consider to be the enemy of humanity and of your group, right? Of your contingent um, versus who you think are the bad guys. I, I personally, uh, um, I did one time in one, so there are three interviews. They're now all on the same link. So if people want to go back and watch one and two to fill in the gaps, that, that can help a lot. But at any rate, um, in a certain sense, he's, I would say, more of a Democrat than a Republican, if you will. Yeah, I, right. I got that. He definitely sounded like he had some left wing ideology. Right. So with that in mind, some of the people that he's worked with and worked for will be part of what we call the what we might look at as the more negative side of the secret space program. Okay. But it almost doesn't matter if you understand, because we're looking at it from the point of view of, of an earth person. And this is part of the problem with the whole thing. And I try to address this in various interviews. I make allusions to it constantly, but a lot of people ignore me, I guess, you know, to this idea that, okay, let's, you know, I, I hope this is not going to be too much of a distraction, but we'll, I'll try to pull it back to the story. So, who do you think God is? A lot of Republicans, sad to say, in my view, even though I'm a Republican in theory, I'm certainly a pro-Trump Republican kind of person. Um, they don't seem to, you know, they have this sort of blinders on and they come from like, I don't know, the Roman Catholic Church or the Catholic Church or whatever you want to call it, where Jesus is the way and the truth and the light. And you can only get to God through Jesus. And um God wins on the earth because they're going to win and God it's, they look at a football game and all of this stuff. And I make jokes about it. Okay. Because God doesn't just, so they love to say humans are made in the image of God. And we're the only one God loves all the other races, all the other planets, all the other galaxies, you know, who knows what they think about God's role there. Okay. They call them demons and they call them this and they call them that. But the fact of the matter is, is there is such a, you know, a sort of a tunnel vision in that religion coming from the religion and religion is the opiate of the masses. It is a control system as far as I'm concerned. So these people have this tunnel vision. Well, Major Solomon Berg has been off planet. He has dealt with, you know, he made peace. You can listen to the story. He made peace with a sort of a renegade reptilian group who actually didn't eat him, kill him and eat him, but instead helped him. That and was they, the Druze, right? Yeah, Druze and his his cohorts, which are about 25 loyal, loyal officers, whatever I call them. So what I'm trying to tell you is that when you deal with aliens and you deal with beings from off planet or inner earth or interdimensionals, you know, they're not all demons, okay? They're not all negative entities. They're not all, you know, um, spawns of the devil, so to speak, okay? But when you have this narrow religious view of life in general, and of God in particular, which blows my mind, because do you really think it's just God of this earth? 
that's it. The rest of the universe and multiverses that he created, he doesn't give a shit about. Hello? No, that's not. It's absurd. So now let's go back to Berg, okay? Because a person like Berg won't subscribe to that philosophy, uh, that the only place God cares about is earth and humans, earth humans, okay? Okay. And a certain group of earth or humans, not, not another certain group. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just no, like I get your point. Yeah. It's your insanity is massively like, different. If you have a wider view of the multiverse and of God himself or herself or whoever you want to call that being of being in my world, God is everything. And that includes light and dark. And I've said this many times. And, and you know, these these really rabid Republicans want to believe that the devil's over here and God owns everything else that the devil's not involved in, you know, and I guess the devil is their own entity or whatever, however, I don't, however they think of it. Right. So all I'm trying to do is kind of give you a, 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 just a smattering and I'm not trying to speak for major Berg either, but I can understand, I can grok, if you will, his philosophy, because even the, you know, he is a person who telepathically, he, he started out communicating with animals telepathically, had as a gift. He's a scientist. He's a biologist, okay? Mm-hmm. And he was brought into the secret space program because of his abilities to communicate with non-human intelligences and then learn to communicate with this. You can call him a Yeti, but they call him a Squatch. So Sasquatch, right, from the Pacific Northwest that the Air Force apparently captured. That's the story. So if you go to the first interview, he explains all about that. And as he got to know Squatch, he became linked up. And he describes, I think in the second interview, maybe more than the first, the kind of, he calls it an overmind. But it's not, he says, a hive mind. So each of the individuals have, I guess, a range of freedom within their societies. But he is able, through linking up through the overmind, to communicate with all of the individuals, both on and off Earth, that are part of the Sasquatch race or species. Okay? Okay. That's by virtue of it. And by virtue of that, you can bet that he believes that the Sasquatch beings, and he, he paints a very sympathetic picture of them. They're a very enlightened, semi-enlightened, if you will, species. They have space travel. They have come from other planets to Earth. They weren't born here, okay? They're not related, as Juan O'Savin was saying when he went on with Nino yesterday, talking about Sasquatches, which without acknowledging my interview whatsoever, even though I sent it to him the night before, and it must have stimulated the discussion. What did he actually say, Carrie? I didn't hear it. Just oh, you, I, well, I, I, you know, we can get into that. Um, but, you know, he obviously knows Sasquatches exist. So he acknowledged it. Yeah, Absolutely. But he didn't acknowledge my interview is what I'm saying. He didn't oh, okay. give credit to any to, to Major Berg and to the he obviously maybe he just saw the picture of it or the, you know, someone said, oh, she just did an interview with a Sasquatch 
person who communicates with Sasquatches. And that was enough to trigger his discussion with Nino. However you want to look at it. I don't know the real background for him. All I know is that if he watched my interview, he would have learned a lot more and not sounded quite so dumb from my point of view <laughs> in this interview with Nino, because he obviously doesn't know what Major Berg knows being in communication for many years and even rescuing the Squatch, taking the Squatch with his group, which he calls the Kraken, which is a group of scientists that worked in the Black Project that he was a part of in the secret space program. And at a certain point, they didn't like how the Americans were treating Squatch. So Squatch and his group engineered a discussion with the Israelis. And because they have their, um, they're Americans, but he has like a heritage, Israeli heritage. He was able to get them to, to persuade them to bring Squatch and himself over to Israel underground and to live there for several years. Eventually didn't like the way they were being treated. And I was told that Squatch became very um, concerned because the Anunnaki were running Israel. And you have to get back into my interviews to see these pieces of information because when I asked him about it this time, he was evasive. Now, this is important because if you follow the, the through line and if you're like me and you remember tiny pieces of information, I think you do, you'll see that when I see a discontinuity with what you said last time versus what you say this time, that I'm, I'm going to be on it like white on rice, right? Right. Yeah. So what I'm saying, it, it doesn't matter a lot in the bigger scheme of things of the, of the interview, but it matters to me. Because it's politics, right, on Earth. And what he started the interview out with saying was he got in trouble for what he said on the interview with me, I guess the last time on the second interview, and that they had decided to take him off the project because they decided he became too close and he had disclosed too much. Yep. And... Yep. I, I'm sorry, but this apparently is not so good for my reputation because this just verifies to people that, again, I get people to say what they're not supposed to say. Now, I wasn't doing that with him, to my knowledge, <laughs> but apparently it happened. OK, that's what he's told. That's what he says at the beginning of the interview. If you go back. Yeah, no, right at the beginning. Yeah, I he got that. taken off the project. That's why he went to Brazil was to immerse himself in another, you know, sort of situation down there. In the meantime, they negotiated between themselves and then the Squatches that were coming to rescue the one Squatch, who we called, I, I actually named it the ambassador because I just said, oh, it sounds like he's an ambassador. He says, that's a great name. I'm going to call him that from now on. <laughs> so what happened was his people came for him in a spaceship and picked him up. But they wanted, obviously, they wanted the good friend of Squatch to be there. So he had to come. Secret Space Program had to allow him to be there. He went on the craft and they went to this. I get if I understand it correctly, they went to the space station as a pit stop. And then from there, they went to Mars to hide out from this guy, Mal Malchenix, who is an Anunnaki. And by the way, they left Israel again. Let me, 
highlight this because according to him, at least in the prior interview, he had said that Squatch was getting more and more uncomfortable with the Im- influence that the Anunnaki were having on the Israeli government and what was yep. maybe going to happen in the future for him and maybe even his race. So um, the way, meaning the, 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 the beings that are left behind here on earth at the moment, which is not a huge population, by the way. So um, this kind of sets the scene and I think people need to read, you know, watch the interview, but I don't know if I'm answering your question directly, but I'm trying to paint the picture of how things have changed. He basically was, was they tried to kick him out of, the, of his own project. And eventually now he's on the run, in fact, from the secret space program, but you know, they have incredible tentacles. So as we speak right now, just look at your, you know, I only did the interview on Saturday. He was underground prior to the interview, not literally underground, but hiding in the Pacific Northwest in a society of, I don't know, sounded like, you know, new age farmers. <laughs> That's what oh, it sounded really? like yeah. um, where he could blend in easily. And so they, they didn't pick him up although pick up on him except that it's always a question as why wouldn't they be tracking his cell phone because he did have a cell phone i don't know what the you know i didn't give it get a chance to ask him what the technology of his phone is and all that stuff but and now he's 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 been bitten by some kind of reptilian being or or creature that was when he landed in the spaceship supposedly landed in canada now, I just want to say a couple caveats here, and I'm not saying he's lying, but I am saying that he said he hit out, hit out on a freighter coming back from Mars, and it made a stop at the space station, and then it made stops at various other space stations that we don't even know exist. The trouble with that story is that I think he's trying to protect whoever was in charge of either the vehicle that you know brought him there right to those space stations mm-hmm. and then brought him to earth or, or some somehow that trajectory, because there are people that obviously made his journey possible that could go up on charges, if you will, since he was a wanted man. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So I, I'm not sure, but we be, could be getting some slight misdirects, but anyway, the point being is that when he crash landed, sort of sounds like a crash landing, but I'm not sure it was. But anyway, crash landed or whatever in Canada, in this forest, somehow, you know, he was on his own from that point on, and he had to make his way to the Western coast as it happened. Um, He got bitten by some kind of reptile and the venom is still in his system and apparently is taking its toll on his health and he thinks he's going to die. He's been doing certain things to counteract that venom. My audience uh, responded and keeps everyone keeps saying, you know, that he needs to talk to Brian Artis because Dr. Brian Artis has come forward as a, a specialist in venom. Yes. Um, and so on. But I don't know him personally. Um, none of my the people recommending him, I think none of them knew him personally. They say, go to his website, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know what, you know, 
in other words, even now that I'm on the show and we can put the show out, I can say to you that if you know a doctor personally and you can personally get that doctor to write to me, because I put my email address on my telegram, but I can give it here as well and I'll put it on the screen, um, which is Carrie at projecthamlot.tv, then, then that doctor can deal directly with um, Major Berg and maybe yeah, help, 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 you know, heal him as opposed to going through the machinations of going to a website, you know, signing up and, you know, thinking you're going to get an answer. Okay. When thousands of people are doing this. Um, so it's, it's a problem. Okay. Good advice is good advice, but it only goes so far. And I'm not sure even what his financial situation is. In essence, he sounds like he needs all kinds of help. He didn't, you know, I asked him if he had a PayPal set up or anything where people could donate, but he doesn't yet. He, I did hear from him very briefly. I sent him a huge, he got a whole huge slew. Um, so I did the interview on the Saturday afternoon, published it as fast as I could late afternoon on Saturday. Then on Sunday, a bunch of emails came through after I announced that he needed help. And I forwarded all the emails along to him. So, but I didn't see any emails that really had anything that, you know, was like, there might've been one or two doctors that responded, maybe one, but I don't know what their abilities were. So, so um, I, you know, you can ask me questions now based on what I just said. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it was really, a, it was a fascinating interview. And I mean, I think the, you, you touched a little bit upon the Anunnaki element there, but you know, that was one of the things that I was somewhat confused about. I think this was sort of towards the end of the interview when he said he kind of downplayed the importance of the Anunnaki here on earth, which was striking to me because it seems to contradict what most of us understand as the the lineage really of the, of the cabal power structure as we're coming to, to know. So what did you make of that? And I mean, if there were any other, you know, scrolling out a bit, you know, just looking at the interview or the, or the series of interviews you've done with him, uh, the most important things that he's disclosed to you and why they're so important. Maybe we can kind of wrap it up after that because we've been on for about an hour and a half. So, okay. Um, seems like about five minutes to me, but it's gone by <laughs> quickly. Wrapped yeah. up in these stories. But the thing is that, okay. Um, Keep in mind that he got raked over the coals for the second interview he did with me. Now, in the second interview, if you go back and listen, you'll hear that he gave some good information about AI, for example, that he hadn't spoken about, I don't think, in the first. He had hinted in the first that he had information. And he also didn't talk, I don't think, in too much depth on the very first interview as much as the second about his time on Mars. Because that, I think we concentrated more on that, the second interview. And I really kind of grilled him about that different, because I've got witness testimony about Mars. So I wanted to compare and contrast his testimony. And, um, and that's that what got him been, kicked off of his project. Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know, you know, but, um, and then there were other aspects. I mean, you know, we got, we really get into some great discussions because he's so intelligent and because his knowledge base is, covers a lot of my whistleblower testimony over the years. Okay. So that when he talks about something, I already have a reference point. It's not coming completely out of the blue for me. It's, 
either I have a witness who's talked about it or like even when I referenced, he was talking about going interdimensional into the center of Mars to close a portal using this lotus crystal or crystal lotus, whichever you say. And that was a supposed to be sort of a water journey, I think he called it at the beginning. So anyway, there's this understanding that if you read the books, as I've mentioned, they're the Transylvanian Sunrise and Moonrise and Radu Cinemar books that are available on Amazon. So you just have to put Radu, which is R-A-D-U, Cinemar is the last name, S, I mean, I'm C-I-N-A-M-A-R or something like that. But Peter Moon is an American who had them translated from the Romanian. Radu Cinemar is a Romanian journalist who got involved with the head of the secret space program in Romania, which is based in part their headquarters, I think, to some degree underneath what's called the Romanian Sphinx, which is a mountain range with a particular Sphinx-like um, carving of a you know, Sphinx. Anyway, okay. mm -hmm. um, so I've read all those books as well. And um, so they talk about the exact same kind of a dynamic that when you go into inner earth at a certain point, you may be going along in a little cart on a, you know, in a, through a cave, you know, um, kind of thing, a tunnel. And then all of a sudden you kind of cross a barrier and you're actually going interdimensional and it's a frequency issue and it's complex. So what can I say? A lot of people are just going to get lost there. They're just not going to understand because they don't, a lot of people out there don't even believe they're a different dimensions like you know what i'm saying Absolutely. so they don't they don't focus on frequency they don't think of frequency um i can say i think i'm at liberty to say something interesting about frequency right here because i have a friend who knows about a saga to do with a doctor she's recommending this particular group to help uh major solomon Burke. Because this group has actually tapped into a certain medical procedure that involves frequency. It's a little like the med bed idea, but it's different. And what happened was, and I think I'm at liberty to say this, I don't remember them saying it's a secret, but here goes. Um, so what a group of scientists did a while ago, I'm not going to give any specifics here, um, is they uh, they decided that they would focus on 30-year-old individuals who had were in perfect health. And they took the frequency of every single organ in those people's bodies, okay, and everything else as far as I know. They built a, I don't know, a template based on frequency and stored all of that, I guess, in a computer or whatever. And then they applied it to some sick people using the frequency of the, the healthy person on the unhealthy person, right? In a bed and type of a format? It has kind of a bed format, but it's a little different than it's okay. not. Again, it's not a med bed. But, and so what happened was the person got well, 
and all their people that they tried to heal that way got well. So that, and it even replaced limbs, okay? So if a person had a bad heart, the heart got better. It became a 30-year-old person's heart by virtue of just beaming the frequency. This is the story. You don't have to believe me. I'm just telling you. No, I do believe you. I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, it's a more. fascinating is idea. Is this recent? I know you're not going to go into specifics, but are we I can't, I can't really get okay. even get in that because right. these people are, their lives are in danger. Okay. So apparently they have reconstituted. Okay. So they were shut down and this was a several years ago, ago, I guess, this whole operation got shut down by, the, of course, the federal government and everybody, you know, all the deep state and whatever. Um, and their lives were threatened. And a certain of the people, actually, I think the scientists got killed. Uh, let's say a few scientists survived, and then they reconstituted this experiment that they did. It brought it to the fore. It has a marketing person, if I understand it. And that's the only reason I'm speaking about it, because it sort of sounded like they might be going public, but I don't know how or in what way. But the bottom line is that they, so like the med beds, but using a different, supposedly a different technology, they, which is specifically beaming frequency from a, that is, uh, what do you call it, um, calibrated to a 30-year-old healthy thing, like a heart, to a person who has a heart problem, it recovered the heart completely is into a 30-year-old one. Wow. So apparently it does that with limbs as well. Now, what the reason I'm bringing... Works? I don't know. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up here is people out there that do not understand what reality is made of, who we are, what we're capable of, the fact that we're light beings, the fact that these reptilians, Draco and Grace, want to feed on us and our children, the fact that as we become more and more enlightened, we beam more and more light, okay, out of ourselves. Yogis know this, okay, they've always known it, all right, they don't talk about it. They don't explain about it. I do, but you know, whatever. Um, and so I studied all of this when I was young. But anyway, so this is proof, if you want to take the story on surface, you know, as being honest and true. If indeed beaming frequency from a 30-year-old's heart onto a sick person's heart turns that heart into the right thing or replaces limbs or whatever it does. In other words, what it means is that we are frequency. Okay. And that is basically maybe all we are and that we think we are, you know, we think everything's solid, but what we really, even scientists know this, okay. That we, we can generate scalar waves that we can, um, you know, basically traverse time and space with through through psychic abilities and remote viewing and so on and so forth. In other words, there's lots of proof that we are much more than we think we are. We think we're like these hard physical old sort of I don't know like clunky mechanical things. Yeah. People like skin walkers, whatever. But the reality is that even, you know, the table of my computers on and my computer and every single thing. And I've talked about this on other interviews. 
the Illuminati know this. Okay. They know it. Like I know it. They, it is not a question. Okay. Everything is light. Everything is frequency. Okay. And therefore it can be influenced that way through frequency. And so it makes sense what these people are talking about. The scientists did. Um, but of course, you know, I don't even have the proof. I'm just telling you a story that I was just told recently. But the bottom line is the same as to do with the Radu Cinemar books that talk about when you get to a certain point in inner earth, you have to cross a frequency fence. And if your frequency is too slow and too low, you won't be allowed in and you could, it can even kill you. In other words, your body will disintegrate on impact. So it's important to understand that this is what we're talking about. Now, we have frequency beam weapons, our secret space program. You know, these things we call nukes are actually old technology. The real weaponry we have is far in advance of that. And it all comes to us from by way of the secret space program and our, you know, reverse, you know, engineering of various alien weapons and vehicles and so on and so forth. And, you know, so some of it was given to us, some of it we took and reverse engineered, but we have made big strides in our secret space program over the last 50 years, let's say. 60, 80, however, you you know, Mm -hmm. Um, so that we are very much on the verge of the level of, at least in the secret space program of where people were at the time of Atlantis. So, um, yeah, so I guess we can kind of wrap this up now, but it's important to understand that what, what Solomon Berg was talking about are, is actually in the Radu Cinemar books, a completely different part of the world. Books, they don't know each other. <laughs> I don't know if he even knew about that. I can't remember because I think I asked him. But the bottom line here is that what he is talking about are, he knows a great deal. Okay, even on my interviews, I can tell where he's holding back information. For example, I talked about Saturn. And I talk about how the ETs that I've heard of who are having meetings, even with humans president present, say if, you know, if Saturn, if the being from Saturn isn't present, they can't continue the meeting. So Saturn has some big sway, at least in our solar system, it meetings, (laughs) you know, you can jump to that conclusion. Um, He wouldn't really address that directly, but he did make some comments which are interesting. And, and, you know, in other words, there is nothing that I talked to him about where he fell, you know, sort of fell apart or got discombobulated or couldn't answer. Right. He understood and he understands. And these are the kind of discussions I have with Captain Mark Richards. I have very few other witnesses, even my high level witnesses who can talk on the level that Major Solomon Berg has. Okay, to the degree that it even sounds like you say it'd make a great movie, and I'm going to ask him for the rights to the movie. So, (laughs) so I'll tell you right now, an incredible story. Yeah, but the thing is that 
this is what we're dealing with. And if you don't think this is, you know, if you don't think truth is stranger than fiction, then you haven't been read in on what's really going on on planet on and off planet Earth. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, Carrie, this has been fascinating. <laughs> I could always pepper you with more questions, but uh, I think this is a good place to end it. We covered Solomon Berg, which was great. I really wanted to get to that. And I think my first wide ranging question kind of set the table nicely. You were able to go in a bunch of different areas and take us ultimately where you wanted to go on this interview. And I think it was great. So hopefully everybody out there enjoyed it. Once again, it's projectcamelotportal.com. You can join for $3 a month, right, Carrie, and get access to, why don't you just tell folks real quick what, what they can get access to? Okay. Yeah. I mean, everything I do is free for the first month or two, and then it goes behind a firewall and will be $3 a month to get access to everything. Although I leave a lot of, um, we already have like 900 free videos that have always been free and always will be free, which is the history of going back in the history of Project Camelot. So those are all on Odyssey and my website. So you can search any topic, any person's last name or first name and pretty much find what you're looking for. We do have some broken down, you know, links and things like that, because it's almost impossible when you have thousands and thousands of pages of interviews for any one, you know, web person to help out the way they need to. And I don't have the kind of funds to hire a full-time team that should be keeping our website up to date, but it's in pretty good shape. And you can write to me if you can't find something and I can usually tell you where it is. Right. Sometimes uh, YouTube, because initially they, I had, oh, I had about, I don't know, 1200 interviews on YouTube. 865 were brought into Odyssey automatically when I was deleted overnight from YouTube. So, but that leaves another 200 or, or 300 interviews that never got brought into Odyssey. Um, we tried to fix that, but it's not fixed completely. Those exist only on my website. So then you have to go there. Or I have I have a Rumble channel. I have a BitChute channel. I have a Odyssey channel. And I have these old remnant YouTube channels that are knocking around like in outer space in YouTube <laughs> that I can't even get into. I can't fix anything there. I can't respond to comments. They don't let me do anything. Okay. Just recently, I got access to one of my channels and started and did a test. I sent three videos through. They, they got posted, but one of them has just gotten taken down. It was an interview I had with Michael Jaco. Um, and I have no idea why they took it down. They say it, it violated their community standards, but I don't think we talked about COVID. So I don't know what the hell I, you know, they didn't like. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> You said you know, something, you must have said something that struck a nerve, but you yeah, know, I must have said something said. true. Right. And, exactly. You know, You're over the target. Some truth. Of honor. You know, so, um, but that tells me that YouTube has not changed their ways. They're still fucking with us and they are still censoring. So, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. We can get into that maybe a little next time, Carrie. So thank you so much for your time. Okay. Folks check out projectcamelotportal.com. Carrie's amazing. And I have her back on real soon for another one. So God bless and God speed, everybody. Thank you for listening. Patriot out. All right.